Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word adversity, which generally means difficulties or misfortune, but adversity can also be a gift because the majority of us don't learn from our successes. For a lot of us, our breakthroughs come from what we perceive as failures. So I'm excited to talk about adversity and what my guest, Dr. Greg Steinberg, encourages us to do, fall up which is to use our hardships to transcend to a higher level of spiritual, emotional, and mental development. Greg is a performance psychologist, professor and author of four great books, Flying Lessons, Mental Rules for Golf, Full Throttle, and Fall Up, Turn Adversity into Your Superpower. Welcome, Greg. It is fantastic to get to talk to you about this. Hey, Barb. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So how much do I love this from your website and also from fall up purpose is a verb explain this. Well, as we all know, love is a verb, right? I mean, it can't just be a a statement. It has to be an action. You have to do it. Well, same thing with purpose. A lot of people think purpose is just an outcome, but purpose can be a verb. And what I mean by that is you can live daily in your purpose. And I think what happens is the, the happiest and the most successful people live purposeful. And every day they live in their purpose. And I think that's our ultimate goal is to find not only what our purpose is, but to live in it fully every day. You know, recently I saw someone post a quote that was hope is a verb. And that really hit me hard. Explain to us what it means to be a performance psychologist. So everyone gets a grasp of what it is that you do and how much I have learned from you over the years. Well, performance psychology is really about helping people, as you mentioned earlier, be emotionally tough, mentally tough, and spiritually tough, and helping them to be successful in not only sport, but also business and in life. And so what I focus on is helping people to have the right emotions, to master their emotions, to have the right thoughts, to help them with their self-talk, to help them with their visualization, but ultimately allow them to be successful under pressure. Because to me, the most Mm -hmm. successful people what they can do is they can perform in the storm. And what I mean by that is they can handle the pressure and actually raise their game under pressure. Cause it's not how you are when you're just goofing around with your friends or there's no pressure. It's really how you perform under pressure, how you perform in the storm. And so as a performance psychologist, that's what I teach people to do to raise their game under pressure. Oh, that's what my son would call being clutch. Or the idea that you're always playing in the postseason. Exactly. Being clutch. That's a great way to put it. I I just want to point out one of my favorite books of yours is Full Throttle, which taught me so much about understanding my peaks and valleys. So I want to get into that in one second, understanding how you adapted that from, you know, the world of sports and peak performance to, you know, people working in business or everyday life, because it really taught me how to calibrate how I show up during the day and to understand when I'm at my best and when I need to take a break or practice self-care. And now one of the benefits of having my own business is really the choice of scheduling around that. And I I learned to play to my strengths. So I I just want to know if you could talk for a minute about the full throttle philosophy, but also how mastering that technique alone is really important to helping one to be able to fall up, if you will, and be able to handle adversity better. Well, the first question is really about dealing with our biorhythms. I think people have heard that term before, 
But it's really that we have these peaks and valleys, as you mentioned, or you might say strength, strengths and weaknesses. But really, it's about an energy flow. I think everybody has a certain energy flow. I know when I ask my class, who peaks in the morning? Half the class raised their hand. And then I'll say, who peaks in the, in the evening? And the other half raises their hand. So it really depends on knowing when you peak. Like for me, I peak in the morning. So I try to do all my, let's say, um, mental work in the morning. And so by the afternoon, I can kind of just throttle down and, uh, you know, go with the flow. And, and the idea is those, those times you peak are really precious and you have to use them. So if you know, for instance, you peak between 8 and 10 in the morning, that's the time you shouldn't be in your car and driving and, and using that valuable time if you can have control over that time. Uh, like you said, if you're an entrepreneur, you have control over that time because you can master your schedule. So those are the times you want to be using that energy source, which is vital to you, to be most productive. And the times you're less productive, when you, let's say you're, you know, your energy source is lower, like for me, it's between, let's say, 10 and noon, that's when I might be throttling down, I might be reading my emails, I might be uh, proofreading my work, or whatever it is. And then I actually have another peak around between 12 and 2, and that's when I, I usually teach my classes or I do uh, more, let's say, work that takes a lot of energy. So uh, in a nutshell, I have two peaks, 8 to 10 and like 2 to, you know, let's say 12 to 2. Those to me are the most valuable times. And the other times I basically throttle down. And so that's what we talk about biorhythms. If you know when you're peaking and you use that, you're going to be most successful. And how does mastering this help us when we're navigating adversity and needing to fall up? Well, I think the idea is that when you are dealing with adversity, right, which can be tough uh, on many different levels because some adversity is severe and some is, uh, let's say, less severe. But the times, let's say, when it's very severe and it's very painful and, you know, let's say you had a tragedy in your life and you have to deal with that. Well, you want to deal with that when you're the most emotionally engaged, when you're peaking in, in that time, you know, for the day. Uh, if you're trying to do that, let's say when you're um, in the evening, like for me, when I really have no energy and I'm really trying to, let's say, deal with my tragedy, I'm not going to make the best decisions. So it's also about making, you know, appropriate decisions. And you're going to make your best decisions when your energy is peaking. So that's why it's valuable as it relates to dealing with adversity. Mm. Well, I am a card carrying member of the Fall Up Fan Club because I can tell you how much coping with adversity has shaped my life. I think two of the most important experiences ever having one's heart broken and then getting fired from a job and, you know, learning resilience through that. So I was curious, how has adversity shaped you? Well, I look at it like every day. Every day uh, we fail. I mean, uh, or almost every day. And when I fail, I have to say, what am I learning from these failures? Because that's my growth experience. Most people will tell you when you're succeeding, you're not usually growing. I mean, it's a great time when you're succeeding, but it's usually when you're failing is when you're succeeding. It's usually the severe adversity is uh, what's causing you to grow and causing you to learn. And so you have to kind of switch your mindset and you have to say, I just failed. Uh, I just did something terrible, stupid, whatever it is. What can I learn from that? How can I grow from that? And then you're less fearful of those painful, fearful, failing events. And, and it's, it's beneficial. I mean, when you start looking at failure and adversity as a way to fail forward or fall up, then 
you're going to be okay with it because the human experience is full of tragedy. The human experience is full of adversity. The human experience is full of failure. And if you embrace that and treat it as a growth experience, then you're going to have a positive, fulfilled life. Okay, you're going deep there, Greg. I was going to say, so on any given day, I obviously have, you know, wardrobe failures. I've had, you know, disastrous haircuts, made some really bad choices. But when you're talking, what do you do every day that you actually think that you fail? Well, just as an experience for me, I've been playing a lot of chess online and I've been mm. learning from my failures. Every time I lose a game, because I try to play, you know, you play better and better people online. I say to myself, what mistakes did I make? And what can I learn from that? And and it's just, it's my mindset. It's not just with chess, it's with anything. If I do a lecture at school, I say, ooh, I, I didn't like the way I said that, or I didn't like the interaction I had with my student. How can I learn from that? What, did I, what, what can I improve upon myself? You know, it's the old uh, Carol Dweck, you know, her book Mindset, and she calls it the growth mindset. And everybody wants to have a growth mindset, of course, but it's really kind of a lifestyle. If you have a growth mindset every day, and that's your goal is, is improvement and to be better every day, then, then failure is not going to be as painful because that's what you're going to learn from. So you're always going to be falling up because you're always going to have adversity. You're always going to have failure, maybe not every day, but it's a constant human experience. Well, I love that because it sounds like you're taking daily inventory, right? It's like, what did I do today? What could I do better tomorrow? But it sounds like you're not too judgmental with yourself, which I think is probably healthier than getting stuck in that sort of a super negative mindset that traps well, you. Isn't it a great mindset to just say, if I can improve 1% every day, just 1%, the idea is how can I prove every day? And if that's your goal, then it's almost like you have an emotional suit of armor and things that are painful bounce off because they don't, they don't penetrate because you know you're just using them as a growth experience. Oh, I love the image of that, of my emotional armor to help me with my growth. I am definitely also a card-carrying member of the Kaizen fan club. On the other hand, I'll admit, I'm pretty risk-averse. Um, I'm always looking for ways to mitigate risk. So I want to, can we talk a little bit about risk and managing that and that idea? Because at the one hand, I do believe in a growth mindset. And yet, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, but I'm kind of like that too. Hmm. We know low risk takers have high serotonin it has nothing to do with being smart it's just you know the neurotransmitter where high risk takers have low serotonin and when they do risk taking activities it boosts their serotonin so it feels good it's rewarding so that's why they do it over and over again but like for me if i go on a roller coaster i don't like it like i get overwhelmed i don't know what it is uh, i just hate you know things that are high risk like that and it has i think it has a lot to do with our brain type but i think it's not about that kind of risk. I think what, what we're talking about here is being comfortable in the uncomfortable. You know, it's like standing, uh, doing a speech to 100 people, right? That's not really risk. In a way, it is because you're risking your competence, but it's really being comfortable in the uncomfortable. And once you achieve that, you become better. Um, so that's what I think when you say risk taking, to me, that's a growth experience. That's excellent. So I want to get into some of the specifics that are from your book. So one was, I love this, is the notion of developing greater energy after loss and failure. How does that work? How do you develop greater energy after loss and failure? 
Well, I mean, I think if you look at the stages of loss by Kubler-Ross, right, she has anger, denial, depression, bargaining, acceptance. I think all those are energy stages. And the epitome for her last stage was acceptance, accepting your that you got fired, accepting that someone dumped you, accepting you you failed. Whatever it is, that's part of the stages of grief or what we call stages of loss. And I think those are energy stages, right? Because anger is an energy stage. And once you get over that, you move on and you move on. And then eventually acceptance. Well, what I've discovered in Fall Up, there's actually one higher level stage of energy and it's called transcendence. And that is people just don't accept uh, this painful, tragic moment. They actually move into a higher level of existence, which is transcendence. They, they turn tragedy into transcendence. And that's the epitome of the book, Falling Up and Making Purpose a Verb, is that what I discovered is that these so many people uh, had a terrible tragedy, like a woman who lost her husband and daughter in a Mumbai terrorist attack. And she said it was terribly painful. You know, she had to go through those stages. But eventually she said she had transcendence. She started a, um, a peace movement in the Middle East. And she said she became better for it. She transcended. And that that's what really, to me, the epitome of falling up is. You know, if you look at famous stories like Michael J. Fox, who has Parkinson's, you know, who is at the um, the peak of his fame and fortune. Uh, and then he, he, you know, basically starts suffering from Parkinson's. And, and I say suffering because you would think he would be suffering because he lost all that fame and fortune. But he said it was a gift. It was a gift because he truly found his purpose, which is his foundation to help cure and uh, resolve this issue of Parkinson's in, in, in the world. And, to, and he said now he lives in purpose. And so he has fallen up because of Parkinson's. Why do some people fall up and others don't? Well, that, that's the great question, and I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I know that there were certain stages that what I discovered these people went through, and I think if, if your listeners learn about the stages, I think it can help them to fall up. And, and the first stage was once they had the tragedy, they had a wake-up call. So literally, it was like the tragedy slapped them in the face, and they realized they weren't on the path they should be, and that was their wake-up call. And then they flipped the switch they realized that this terrible moment in life had meaning. And what they got to do now is move in a new direction. And because they must move in a new direction, they, it releases their genius, which is the third stage. They, they start realizing strengths and talents they never knew existed. And then they got into their fourth stage, which is they found their life song. But ultimately, they made purpose a verb, which is the, the last stage, which is they start living in purpose every day. And, and what was amazing was, I think what we see people who have, let's say, a, they lost their child from cancer and they start a charity, right? We hear that all the time. That's because what they did was they went through those stages, basically, and now they're trying to live in purpose. They're trying to make purpose a verb. And we've, we see this all over. But ultimately, when I saw these stages, when I was doing all these interviews with these people, uh, I didn't realize they went through these exact stages. And actually, they went through them in, in order. Which, which to my amazement. And once you know about the stages, you could, you'll see it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Any tips or ideas about how you work through the fear? Because I think that can be obviously a roadblock in those steps for people. You know, like the second stage is, is flipping the switch, the mindset, realizing this terrible moment. It's all relative, but it's flipping the switch, realizing that this tragic moment or this life hardship or this severe adversity had meaning for you. 
and that it, it's basically allowing you to become the person you were meant to be. Um, it's kind of like the old Michelangelo quote that said, I saw the angel in the stone and carved till I set it free. Well, the idea is that you are the angel in the stone and the tragedy is the chisel that frees the authentic self. It allows you to become the person you were meant to be if you uh, allow it to be. Are there questions that someone should ask themselves? Is that, a, is that a list or something in your book so that you can understand how to get to the light switch moment? For me, I'll give you an experience for me. So I remember I was, um, it was probably about 15 years ago, I was um, waking up about 3.30 in the morning and I um, was feeling this anxiety, you know, like a whole, like uh, I think a lot of people feel it, you know, there's, it almost felt like depression. And then I'd wake up and, you know, it would kind of be gone. But every 3.30 every morning, I'd feel it. And um, I saw Dr. Phil when he was on Oprah. Remember he was on Oprah on Tuesday? And uh, he was talking with this lady who um, had the same feeling I did. Uh, and she was talking about she was in a bad relationship. And, and those feelings were coming out. And I was in a bad relationship with my work. I was, you know, I'm a professor and, you know, it was enjoyable, but it wasn't stretching me. It wasn't making me become the person I was meant to be. And, and so it was my wake up call. And, and I think the reason why I give this story is because your physiology will call you out. If you're not on your purpose, if you are not on the path you're supposed to be, you, you will know it. Your physiology will call you out, whether it's burnout, whether it's depression, whether you just you're sad, whatever it is you're going to be called out because you're meant to be uh, on your path. You're meant to find your purpose. You're meant to live in purpose. And if you're not, you know it. And whether you just go about um, basically living your life um, and, you know, like uh, sleepwalking, as people say, it's up to you. But that's what tragedy, I think, did for all these people. It slapped them and it awoken them to say, I'm not as happy as I should be. Our life is short. It gave them a new perspective and I got to move forward. So, right. And for some of us, it's just not that dramatic. So listen to your body because it is a gift sometimes when there's something really big that you can't ignore happens is what I'm saying. But to your point for people who are quote unquote sleepwalking, just kind of going about and kind of numb and not feeling, it is about stopping and sitting with it if I'm hearing correctly and feel it because your body's talking to you. So if you're waking up all the time, if you're feeling tense, if you feel the need to numb yourself constantly, that's probably a sign. Hypertension is a sign. Mm -hmm. Insomnia is a sign. I'm hearing you. That's really powerful. So listen to your body so you can feel the sensations. Listen to your mind so you can be cognizant of the emotions. I hear you. How much does faith play a part in this? What do you mean by faith? Belief in something bigger. Well, yeah. Mystery, the ineffable F. Well, I think, you know, of course, that's that's a personal perspective. But the idea is that I think, let's say religion does, is religion gives you a higher sense of purpose. And it basically uh, says that we're, we're here on the planet much more than just to make money and to look good. We're purpose-driven individuals. And I think, you know, it's very similar. I think it, it's a similar uh, spiritual path that I'm talking about. And I'm not, I'm not talking about religion in the book of fall up. I'm talking about a spiritual path and that meaning, if you think about it, the, the ultimate goal is not happiness. The ultimate goal is, is meaningful life. Because when you have a meaningful life, you're fulfilled. What's happiness? Happiness can be a short-term thing, 
But long-term happiness only comes from a fulfilled life. So if you want long-term happiness, you have to live in purpose and you have to make purpose a verb. Mm-hmm. I was just curious if that was something you found as a commonality, I guess, whether you call it faith or spirituality, if that came up as something common in a common thread in the interviews that you did. Well, people didn't describe it as a, um, a religious moment. They described it more uh, from, a, I think, a spiritual moment. Okay. So, Greg, I want to circle back to what you talked about earlier was the notion of gaining confidence from this and the idea of falling forward or falling up is how you become better in challenging situations and you handle them better. How does that work or how do you define that? Well, I think you have to look at the, uh, the basis of fear related to anxiety. So mm. when you look at mm-hmm. our, our anxieties, well, why we have performance anxiety, why we get all nervous, it's based on our fear. Fear of looking foolish, fear of rejection, fear of um, not living up to your parents' expectations. And the idea is that that fear is mitigated when you embrace it. Because when you embrace failure and you believe failure is the way I'm going to get 1% better, failure is the way I'm going to improve myself, then that fear is minimized. And, and that's when you can usually, like you said, take more risk, be in situations that are um, uncomfortable because you've limited your fear. People that are, I think, are most successful, it's not that they don't have fears, it's just that their fears are not overwhelming. So it doesn't um, prevent them from uh, doing what they're supposed to do. When you were talking about fulfillment and happiness, and you had pointed out to me about professional athletes in their post-career, and one of the reasons Serena's the GOAT is because she has multiple interests. Her entire life is not only tennis. And you also pointed out the same thing to me with John McEnroe, having an amazing post-competitive career compared to Bjorn Borg, who openly is very well documented, suffered from a lot of depression. And I just started to think about this as you were talking and how that too can prepare us to be better able to fall up when something happens is that we have, I don't know, more things to fall back on emotionally. We haven't, our our whole life isn't. Right. You diversify your life portfolio, just like you would, you know, financially, Mm. if you invest in one stock and that stock tanks, you're in trouble. But if you diversify, then you're okay. Well, it's the same thing with athletes. If they only see themselves as, a, let's say, a tennis player, then what happens is they only get their self-worth as a tennis player. And so when they walk on the tennis court, they have to win because that's how they get their self-esteem. But if you have diversified and you believe, well, I'm a great tennis player, but I'm a great uh, friend, I'm a great artist, I'm a great photographer, uh, it takes off a lot of pressure. And um, the great story is I remember Gabrielle Sabatini. She was one of the best tennis players in the late 80s. And her sports psychologist said, you need to um, take up a hobby because she was tanking in the majors and she took up photography. And once she took up photography, she started winning majors because it allowed her, it freed her up. She didn't have to win all the time. And when you, you don't have to win all the time, you're more likely to win because there's less pressure. That's a fantastic example, because think about how many of us so identify with our jobs. And then if the job goes away, it's devastating. And for many creatives, 
who might be listening to this and, you know, and you're constantly putting yourself out there. And so, so much of your steam is attached to like getting that gig, getting that job, getting, you know, booked on that show so that when you have multiple interests or things that, that bring you worth and satisfaction, I love the idea that you're much more likely to succeed. Yeah. Well, an actor should think of him or herself as an artist because then they can do a bunch of different art, right? When I do my writing, I don't think of myself as a writer. I think of myself as an artist. When I play golf, I think of myself as an artist. So it allow it frees me up, you know, to do my art and it, it kind of diversifies my life. So I think, you know, if you only see yourself as a writer and you get rejected, then it's going to be painful. But if you see yourself as an artist, well, you can do art in so many different ways. I think you're also acknowledging that that's a creative outlet for you and someone buying it I guess is, you know, the cherry on top, the doing for you is the joy. Well, it's interesting you say that because with fall up, my goal is not to make money. Uh, whether I make money on the book is fine. The goal is to share the knowledge and it totally frees you up. I don't have to sell a million copies. I don't have to go on every podcast and every radio show and, and then beat my brains out to, you know, promote it. If of course I want to touch lives, and if it sells, that's great. If it doesn't, I wrote it for me. You know, the idea about writing books is you write the book for you. And if people like it, they like it. But if they don't, they don't. Where can people find you? Uh, actually, my website is drgregsteinberg.com, D-R-G-R-E-G-G, Steinberg, S-T-E-I-N-B-R-G.com. And actually, I have a, a TED Talk on follow-up, so they can see the TED Talk on that site. Uh, I have a couple online courses in golf psychology and tennis psychology, uh, also emotional toughness universities on there. So I've created um, actually four online courses that they can access on that site. They can read two chapters and follow up on the website, peopleshinepublishing.com. Out of curiosity, is there a difference between golf psychology and tennis psychology? Yeah. One play, you play with a racket and one you play with a golf club. <laughs> no, it's, it's really similar, but you know, I've always thought of myself as a performance psychologist because it's not that uh, what I say relates just to golf. It relates to any discipline that you have to be successful under pressure. That's why I've learned so much from you over the years. And thank you so much for being here. You're an absolute gift, Greg, the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you for sharing Fall Up with us, available wherever books are sold. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're looking for information on classes or private coaching, skip on over to my website, ableintermedia.com. And please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And please, please, please share with your friends.